Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ in your daily life to make you happier. Here on Habits for Happiness today to talk about the habit of embodiment is the beautiful Jay Fields. And I'm so excited for you guys to join us as I talk with Jay about how she has shifted others' lives tremendously and her own life by learning to be in your body and listen to what your body is telling you. And if you're going through any type of change or transformation in your life, which I think pretty much all of us are as we come out of COVID, it's such a tender time, you'll want to keep listening for what Jay has to share with us and how it can help you. So welcome, Jay. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's really good to be here with you. I know. So let me just introduce you. And Jay, you're one of my favorite humans, even though I haven't seen you in a long time. I know. I know. So Jay's an educator, coach, and author who has taught the principles of embodiment Bodied social and emotional intelligence to individuals and organizations for 20 years. Her approach to helping people have their own back at work and in life is grounded, playful, empathic, and very, I may add, intelligent. (laughs) Jay received her BA in psychosocial health and human movement from the College of William and Mary and her master's in integral transformation education from Prescott. She's the author of the book, Teaching People, Not Roses, and she leads LinkedIn courses on managing your emotions at work and practices for regulating your nervous system and reducing stress. I need that course. And when not working with others or facilitating, she can find Jay on her motorcycle. She is a total badass motorcycle (laughs) rider. (laughs) Last time I saw you, Jay, you were riding, I think, in like Andorra or somewhere fabulous. Yeah. Italy. Mm -hmm. And Um, she can be seen with her sweetie. She's recently engaged congratulations. And she lives outside of, um, the mountains in Ojai, California. So welcome. That's a wonderful. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I feel so bad for anyone else to read that. There's a bunch of very big, weird words in there. Integral transformative. Psychosocial. Psychosocial. That's a one for me. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Well, you guys, so here we are with Jay and just tell us, I guess, first tell us, you know, what led you in your life to pursue this line of work? So, you know, there's a lot of coaches and therapists and facilitators, but there isn't that many that I've come across like you who, you know, for those who are familiar with the word somatic, Mm -hmm. um, talk about being in your body and and how that translates to your overall well-being. And I have Mm -hmm. to add to anyone who's listening, you know, Jay is like top of her field, you know, I would say best anywhere in this field. So tell us what led you to that. Like what in your life brought you here? Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, well, so many different twists and turns along the way, but I would say the the first main one was when I was in college, my freshman year of college, I took yoga for the first time and I had been a competitive gymnast growing up. So I knew the body, I knew training, but I didn't know like how to be kind, how to be at home mm. in my body. I knew how to push it. Um, and I started yoga and rock climbing at the same time. And I realized how, when I was doing those two activities, I became a different version of myself. Mm. You know, I became someone who was confident and strong and had positive outlook and could access calm and, and quiet inside. 
And so I completely changed my, my course of studies and developed uh, my degree in my undergraduate uh, institution. And I, I started, that's where the psychosocial psychosocial (laughs) and all the big words came in. Yeah. Right. Because at that time, essentially I studied the the body mind connection, Mm -hmm. but at that time that wasn't really a thing in the mainstream, but I wanted to study how, um, how being in our body could be preventative in terms of negative, uh, mental health conditions. Right. And, and so that was where it all started. And then my, you know, I got, speaking of being engaged, I got married when I was between my junior and senior year of college, which is crazy and insane. And I look up, talk about past lives. We were just (laughs) before the recording. Yes. We've I've had a couple. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I was feeling like I knew what I was doing. My, my life was set. I was married at 21. And then that all went to hell in a handbasket by the time I was 23. And so that's when I really started to look at how is it that I can be a pretty smart person. You know, I I felt like I was smart. I felt like I was pretty self-aware. How could I be all these things and like be a so far away from who I really am inside Mm. and be like such a mess in the world of relationships. And that took me, that was the very beginning then of taking that foundation of what yoga gave me in terms of being able to be present in my body and starting the inquiry of how do I be present in my body in a way that also works in the world? (laughs) You know, that isn't just, wow, this is great when I'm on my mat and I can be quiet and feel good about myself, but then I go into my relationships and it's a circus, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm reading, I'm reading this book about regret and it says like the number one area of regret is this whole idea about relationships. This is like the number one of like 5,000 people pulled or something. And it's interesting because we are taught so much about uh, history and English and all these things and how to be even a decent person, right, by our parents, perhaps. But we're not taught the skills to have healthy relationships. And and because of that, you know, we have this sort of large amount of people who, on you know, on their deathbed regret the relationships they either didn't have or didn't pursue or whatever weren't healthy or left or whatever. And um I think it's an interesting place because, you know, when I looked at, um, you would go through like the radio um, with my executive producer and he always says, when people talk about relationships, everyone listens. <laughs> right. So it's an interesting Because we one. are fundamentally relational beings from the moment we're born to the moment we die, we are in relationship in every moment in our life. Mm. And it's, it's, it is central to our sense of fulfillment too. And I think the pain that you just spoke to is that it is so central to our happiness, to our fulfillment, to every part of our lives. And yet we don't get a blueprint for how to do it in a healthy, fulfilling way. And so that, I mean, that was my pain and it's the Mm -hmm. pain of the people that I work with in my coaching practice, where it's like, there is, there is so much awareness of what I want and so much belief that like, I think it's out there. But the the gap between how do I get there and how do I do it is just huge. We don't yes. know. So tell us. Tell us. <laughs> tell us. <laughs> Educate us. You're an educator. How do we get there? <laughs> oh gosh. You know, that's an easy question. Let's um 
Well, I think the first piece is it goes back to that embodiment and Mm. I, and it's that your insides matter. Mm. And I think, you know, back in that story, when I was 18 years old and starting to practice yoga, that was the first time that I had a very conscious container for getting to know my insides. You know, I was a daydreamer and a writer and everything when I was a kid. Um, So I definitely had my own little internal world, but I didn't really know how to be in it or work with it consciously. So yoga and meditation was that beginning part of like, Hey, you have an inner world. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the next piece in terms of the foundation for relationship is recognizing that inner world matters because to the extent that you either don't know what's happening in the inner world or two, don't value it. You're going to get all whacked out in your external life because your insides won't match your outsides. It's that Mm. like dissonance between what's true for you inside and what you are creating in your life outside. Yeah. I mean, let's just step back for a second for listeners who might not totally like grasp what we're talking about. Like, do you think that most people are walking around like with neck up lives? Like, oh my gosh, this, yeah, Yeah. are, are thinking like, we're sort of like, you know, heads walking on bodies, but we're not listening to what's happening inside. Absolutely. I mean, and I am. Why, and why? <laughs> I am unless I practice not to be, because it feels why? safer, right? Mm-hmm. To be in our heads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's what is culturally encouraged. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I definitely got the message growing up. that's good to be smart and, you know, it's good to look like you have your act together and, um, don't be messy. Don't have emotions. Mm -hmm. Don't make other people uncomfortable. These are basic, like five-year-olds, like skills that we're talking, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like be clean, like wipe your mouth. You know what I mean? Like, like look good, you know, all of these things. And then, you know, work hard to your homework and everything will be okay. And everything will be okay. That's the Mm -hmm. happily, you know, you live happily ever after if, if you, look good on the outside and are smart. So what happens if we look good on the outside and are smart, but our insides aren't matching our outsides in your word. And I know in my life in different various places, when my insides have had dissonance with my outsides, it's almost like I felt like I was rotting. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm a tree on the beautiful outside, but on inside, I'm really not okay. That is What happens then? That's such a good visceral word for that rotting. Yeah. It feels I mean, rotten, right? There's, um, you know, there's a tree in Colorado. Um, uh, uh, I think it's a cottonwood and for any listeners that are tr- arborists, I'm sorry if I messed that wrong, but it actually grows from the, um, it rots on the inside. And so it grows layers on the outside. So the outside of the tree gets thicker and stronger, but the inside actually is rotten. And um, I just cut some trees down in a place I'm building a writer's cabin. And mm. the, the tree man said he's cut these trees down and he's been able to like, uh, you know, they cut half of it down, like stand inside the trunks. And so that's what yeah. I think of when I think of these, you know, it's like we all are shiny objects on the outside, but on the inside, we have this lack of fulfillment. Right. And is it vacant? Cause I think yeah, vacancy, vacant. Yeah. yeah. The sense of abandoning yourself, the sense of, um, for me, what it felt like, uh, is that I'm living a small, there's a great quote from um, James Joyce about one of his characters lived a small distance from his body, you know, and that's what it felt like to me. It was like, I could watch my life and be like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's what's happening over there. Um, 
but that doesn't feel like my life. And I think that's one of the things that my, my clients will say to me, it's like, you know, I've, I've got quote unquote success. You know, I have the job I want. I have a family that I love. I have a home, um, but I don't quite feel like it's my life because there's the chills. So many, so many little moments where you give yourself away um, that over time, it's just like, you're farther and farther away from yourself. And another thing that happens lady, and, and I know this is part of, part of your story and you've had Annie Grace on, uh, in the alcohol free moment or movement. But I think another thing that happens is we, we drink, we numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we take away that, um, this, our sense and sensibility, you know, because it's just too painful to have that much, um, openness and yeah. feeling. I mean, it, and if it's not alcohol, it's something else, right? It could, exactly. be, ne- it could be Netflix, it Absolutely. could be eating, it could shopping. be shopping, over-exercising, yeah. right? Whatever has an ism after it, but it could be, you know, anything that's distracting us from feeling our feelings, Yeah. right? And, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, I have a very, <laughs> I have a very, uh, nervous, nervous system mm-hmm. and I don't drink and I haven't drank for, you know, maybe six years because mm-hmm. of Annie Grace's book. And, mm-hmm. um, that's how I actually found you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's been an interesting journey because the things that I need to do in my life to keep myself quote unquote safe or fulfilled are very different than they once were. And, and life's just different. I have to create a life I don't want to escape from, which in and of itself helps with the fulfillment piece. So tell us for those that may be listening who are resonating, like, okay, I'm living a neck up life Mm -hmm. and they want to be more in their bodies. And, you know, what I call this is like the head to heart transformation, because I believe that all of our answers are in our hearts and we just Mm -hmm. don't listen. How do we make that transformation into our bodies? That, you know, it's tough. I will say that. So I say that just to kind of give, if anyone's saying like, gosh, this has been hard for me, you're not alone. It's difficult again, because we have such a bias towards being in our head and our culture. And because, you know, past the age of about 20, your body isn't necessarily a comfortable place to <laughs> certainly pass age well, of 60. Well, right? how about after 40? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but joking aside, like it's we we are our brains are also wired to pay more attention to what's outside of us in terms yeah. of our survival. You know, we're we're a lot better off if we're paying attention to the what's going on out there than what's going on in here. And so to understand that those neural pathways for our inner landscape and reading that inner experience are for lack of a better way of saying it slower and not as loud. So we do have to practice. And one of the basic things I tell my clients is to, you know, start a habit. Here's your, you know, speaking of habits for happiness, start a habit of asking yourself throughout the day, what's the most prevalent sensation I can feel right now, you know, and it could be that your, your hands are cold. It could be that your waistband feels tight. It could be that your lower back hurts. It could be that you have to pee, right? Just any kind of sensation that you can actually track Mm -hmm. is the first doorway into living below your, your neck. Neck. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how, I guess, how can living below our necks make us happier? Cause this, we talked a little bit about this before the show, 
but in my life, you know, I've had so much transition with divorce and um, changing businesses and blah, 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 like everyone, COVID, whatever, midlife stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I found in my life, I just had to really bring it back to basics. Like I had to be like, okay, so, you know, how do I feel safe? And what are the things that, you know, make me feel safe? And what are the things that make me feel good? And those Mm -hmm. things were enough exercise, enough water, Mm -hmm. enough sleep, you know, basics. And then beyond that, like quiet makes me feel good. And so this idea of embodiment is a habit and tell us like how we can employ that in our daily lives to make us happier. Well, yeah. So let me tell you one thing that is important in terms of understanding the, like the brain research on Mm -hmm. this and embodiment, because we have different kinds of awareness, self-awareness, and one is conceptual self-awareness, right? That's our wonderful thinking mind, the neck up where we can, um, understand things. We can analyze things. We can, um, tell the story of our experience. We can, you know, understand the facts. Then there's embodied self-awareness and embodied self-awareness is your, your experience of yourself. So you're not thinking about yourself. You're experiencing yourself. It's things like temperature, pressure, um, pain, uh, energy level, mood, all the things that happen on the inside throughout your body. And what research tells us is that embodied self-awareness and conceptual self-awareness have two totally different pathways through your brain. So Mm -hmm. one's not better than the other, but they're different. And part of what makes them different is embodied self-awareness leads to an increase in things like um, compassion, courage, the ability to regulate your emotions, the ability to read someone else's emotions, like all these things that we think make a person a really good person. Like emotional quotient. (laughs) Exactly. And it turns out they aren't based in your brain. Like it's not about how smart you are in your thinking. It's about how present you are in your body. Mm. And so that's part of you know, like that's the science behind why is it important to be in your body? It's not like, oh, this is a great idea. We should do that. It's like, there is actual research that says you have, you have a capacity for a completely different kind of experience when you're in your own experience, which is like, there's the rub, right? In order to get to um, get access to more of that courage and um, compassion and empathy and attunement and regulation, you have to be present in your body, which means you have to kind of overcome whatever stories you have about how messy that might be. Because mm. the though you have to go into the mess in order to get the tools to be in the mess, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what are our, sto- what are common stories about how messy it can be? <laughs> <laughs> Like real world examples. What does like John Doe say? Like, uh, being in your body, how messy it can be. Yeah. The stories that keep us from doing this work. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, it's vulnerable. I think that's one of the main things clients speak of is like, well, you know, I don't want to show my husband that I feel X this way about that. You know, I, I don't want my coworkers to know that this is what's happening for me. It's that sense of, um, I'm going to be exposed. My armor is going to be taken off of me. Mm-hmm. And then what? If, if the armor is taken off, then that, you know, interesting back to what you're saying, then I don't feel safe. Then I don't. So all of all humans need three things to 
to feel like we're going to be okay in this world. We need safety. We need belonging. We need mattering. So Mm -hmm. safety, belonging, and mattering. And we organize all of our behavior around this. And again, since we're relational beings, we get a lot of our safety, belonging, and mattering from the other people in our lives. So if we get to that messy place where we feel vulnerable and undefended and like nothing's going to you know, go the way we want it to go. We feel like we're risking safety, belonging, and mattering. And Mm. those are like, you know, lifeblood for us. Yeah. But here's where the embodiment piece comes back into play, because if you have embodied self-awareness, there is a sense of being held in safety, belonging, and mattering from yourself right? Like think about meditation. Mm. Think about when you sit up at the end of a yoga practice and you just have that sense of like, the world's okay. Yeah. That's not because anything outside has changed. Mm -mm. That's because you're, you're at home in yourself. And there's a sense of when you're at home in yourself, yeah, you might be undefended, but okay. So a coworker doesn't like what you said, you know, or you have an argument with your husband. If you have a tether to yourself, you have an actual place where you belong, that's not as scary. Right. It's like, it's this concept of like, you know, a lot of my clients come to me and they say they're really homesick for themselves. Mm, yeah. And it's not like they've gone anywhere. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> right? that like such a, what, how can that? Yeah. But it's but like it that part of myself where I feel safe to, to in your words. Yeah. And it, but, but what I hear you saying, it, and so this is where it like, it turns itself on its head, right? Is that we have these three um, basic needs, which are, um, I call them love, safety, and belonging, but they're mattering mm-hmm. safety and belonging, mm-hmm. right? And so these basic needs, you know, keep us from the things we really want, because the things we really want often are outside of this comfort zone of these basic things. But what I hear you saying is that if we can embody ourselves, we can keep those things with us. Absolutely. And this is where where the the people, this is where the magic happens. We can walk through the door of going after the things we love and want and still feel safe and not abandon ourselves and belonging. It's like the hollow tree that you mentioned earlier, right? If, If we're going into a situation in our personal life or our professional life as a hollow tree, hoping that the other people or the credentials or whatever it is, has the safety, belonging and mattering to fill up that hollowness. Mm -hmm. We're essentially now, you know, of course we're going to feel far away from ourselves because it's like a drug. It's like, you have this thing that I need. I will do whatever I need to do to get that. It's like the joke I talk about is like, it's like, you'll turn whatever trick you can to get that. Totally. (laughs) But but turning tricks in this sense means like, you'll take the job that you don't want. You'll stay in the relationship that doesn't make you happy. You'll um, bend over backwards for someone else and not have boundaries. You know, you'll make your life about someone else's needs, not yours. That's Mm -hmm. what we do when we're the hollow tree. But if you can as you said, know that you carry with you and in a felt way, experience safety, belonging, and mattering as from a source within you, you're not beholden to what other people want for you. And you can act with an integrity. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the, you know, when you asked earlier what happens and you were talking about feeling rotten, I think the other thing that happens is we just get out of integrity with ourselves. Totally, totally. Especially when we expect to receive those things, to repeat what you're saying from others or other things outside of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that would be, that was my story I, when I was in my early twenties and I look back on how my marriage went and what was going on in my life at the time. I was like, I'm a, I'm a smart person. I care about people. I care about myself and I am not behaving like that. I'm completely out of integrity with what I value. And it wasn't because I didn't know what I valued. It was because at the, and I couldn't have said this at the time. It was because I didn't have any sense of being able to get safety, belonging and mattering from within. Mm. or sorry, I'll say one more thing. When I did get to that place, like through yoga, I was Mm -hmm. like, Ooh, I can get to the end of a yoga practice and feel like, Oh, I'm at home in myself. But then you introduce another person into that. Like my husband at the time or a boss or my mom or a friend. And that's when it just like would shatter instantly. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Yeah, like, so, you know, obviously, if connection's one of our core values, um, and it is for humans, right, because it's what precipitates belonging. If Mm -hmm. connection's so important to us, but also that starts with the connection to ourselves, is what I hear you saying. You know, how do we then have healthy relationships with others? Because, you know, I like to say like, we're the cupcake and like other people are the sprinkles, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like that's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. So it almost, it, you could listen to this and take this into like, well, I have everything I need. So I'm just going to live in my house alone and be hermetic. Yeah. And, you know, I don't need anyone else. I'm going to have embodiment with myself and, you know, I, I'm going to mm-hmm. keep myself safe from everything that's bad out there by staying here right? <laughs> Absolutely. And that doesn't do anything for anyone, especially ourselves. And I just read a study this morning that was saying there's no such thing as, as extroverts or introverts and that everyone's on a spectrum of that. And that actually people that are sway more to introvert, actually, if they tried to be practice being more extroverted for a week, they actually experienced a That's higher funny. set, set yeah. um, level of well-being. So for those of us who, you know, could interpret what you're saying as, okay, I have everything, what I want, you know, then what, like, how do we have these relationships that come into our life that are healthy, that don't dysregulate us? Great question. It could be the fear of what, (laughs) of being dysregulated keeps others out. Well, I definitely tried the thing of like, I'm going to be whole into myself for (laughs) enough years to then realize that the difference is when you are whole into yourself, you have something to bring to a relationship. You are Ooh. actually capable of relating anything bef- to, before that is two, <laughs> two hollow trees and two, two hollow, hollow trees, trees aren't in a relationship. No, They're I've in been, an I've been in that relationship many years exactly. ago. <laughs> yeah, didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, please hang on. We, we have to go to break, but I do want everyone to hang on. Cause when we get back, we're going to talk about the com- concept that I love from Jay so much of being in relationships with others and having a full meal, which I'll introduce. And, um, and, um, I'm so excited and stay tuned. Bye guys. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about her individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at Habits, the letter for happiness.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now... Back to our program, and here again is Lady Fuller. And we're back. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in there. We're here with the beautiful Jay Fields, who's a somatic guru, educator, teacher, coach, all of the things. And, you know, before the break, we had talked or we were talking about relationships, and I I just wanted to stay on that topic for a second. So it could be that we you know, in this idea of feeling fully embodied in our body could feel like, okay, I'm full, I'm full. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't need anyone else. And look, I've been there. Um, It's a very safe place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But how, if we're there, do we introduce others into our lives? And, you know, many, many years ago, um, you know, I was getting a divorce and I was talking with Jay as a client and I will share, you know, she was talking about this idea of, you know, in relation, taking crumbs versus eating a full meal. And, and that's like abandoning yourself versus, um, you know, being with someone who can meet your needs and, you know, you're standing in integrity with, if I hear you correctly from what you just said. Mm -hmm. And, 
you introduced this concept that I love so much and I've thought about over the years was when you finally get a full meal, you can just keep eating. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so amazing. So, um, you know, I, you know, being newly engaged, clearly you're eating a full meal and I'm so happy for you. So tell us like, how do we stay in our bodies, stay in our fullness, stay at home with ourselves and be in relationship with others without abandoning ourselves? Because for women, especially, especially a lot of women that I coach with, there's a feeling that in order to have a healthy relationship, we have to abandon ourselves, right? That those things don't even live in the same, like to be able to stay with ourselves and have a healthy relationship, like aren't, those things aren't related, but they are. They are. And it's a, a totally false premise to, to suggest that in order to be in a relationship, you have to give away yourself or abandon yourself because then you're not in the relationship. <laughs> yeah. The other person is, and you're an extension of them. Mm. Um, but actual relating requires two separate beings. And that's also side note, what makes intimacy possible. Intimacy and closeness is only possible if there are two distinct beings relating to one another. If I'm an extension of you, that's not intimacy. That's, that's collusion. That's codependency. Codependency. (laughs) Yeah. um, And so, yeah, I think this piece of having a really full and intentional relationship with your own insides, you know, knowing how you feel, knowing what your needs are, um, knowing what your values are. And in an embodied way, that sense of I'm okay inside. And look, is it a hundred percent of the time for anybody? No, but it's knowing you can access it and knowing the felt sense of it. Because when you have a felt sense of your own wholeness, that's when you can go into a relationship with another person and you have an actual um, metric. When I'm around this person, can I stay whole? Or do I start giving little pieces of me away? And oftentimes it has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with your own patterning. So, you know, when I work with clients, the first thing we really work on is your own, your own uh, belief systems, your own template you got for relating and, and changing the conceptual idea of what relating is so that you can then kind of match that concept, um, the old concept and the new concept with the feeling of those two things, because once you have a feeling of wholeness, and this is what you and I were talking about all those years ago, I remember is the full meal, the full meal. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you're trying to exist on crumbs, like when I say that to a woman and I say, does your, you know, does it feel like crumbs or does it feel like a nourishing meal? There's a sense of that. You, You don't necessarily have to be able to define what those things mean. There's a feeling tone of it. And when it comes to, you know, dating or being in a new relationship with someone, and again, I remember talking about this with you, you don't need to know, is this the one you don't need to know, are we going to be together six months from now? All you need to know is how do I feel when I'm around this person? Of course. Yeah. And do I feel whole and like myself, if I risk, I guess I could say it this way. If I risk being myself around this person. Mm. Yeah do they stay? Because, you know, that's ultimately, I have a a group coaching program called yours truly. 
And the there's five modules in it. And the fifth module is called like who you are in your relationships. And that's what I mean by that. Like, I want to, I don't want to have to give away who I am to be next to you, to relate to you. Yeah. I want to like who I am. I want to be my full self. And of course, there's going to be times of disharmony. And of course, there's going to be times of struggle and, and disagreements, but ultimately can I stay whole throughout that process? Yeah. And it's bringing up for me this idea. I, I interviewed Yogi Aaron, who was my yoga teacher um, a couple of episodes ago on affirmations. And he had this beautiful affirmation that was like, may all the people who I can love and serve find me and may all the people who I can no longer love and serve find others who they can love and serve. And it's sort of this idea is like, just because there's people in our lives who can't give us a full meal or we have to abandon ourselves for, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're bad, they're bad. It just means that, you know, where we are in our wholeness is the right sort of magnetic match for another being. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we get so tripped up on the like logistics of it. (laughs) And the idea that like there's scarcity in the world. But one of the things that I've been working on hard in 2022 is this idea of like, there's enough for everyone. There's enough money. There's enough love. There's enough. Right. Because we come from like a much different place when there's an abundance mindset. Absolutely. And, you know, listening to you talk, lady, I'm aware of your listeners might be feeling like, oh, crap, is, is Jay, are Jay and Lady suggesting then that if my relationships aren't working, like I need to blow everything up and go. No, 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 don't do that. It's not at all that. (laughs) So just to make, like, let's make this clear because I think a part of, you know, that piece of, if I'm whole, I'll attract to, to me, the people who can meet my wholeness. That's true. And, you know, there's going to ultimately be people in your, your family or in your work situation that can't. And the thing that I think is so important in terms of this new, you know, blueprint or template for relating is knowing that um, just because someone can't meet you in your wholeness doesn't mean you um, don't get to want that. There's nothing wrong about wanting it and holding that for yourself because where women in particular get really screwed up is feeling like if that person that I love and I know loves me can't give that to me, I must be wrong for wanting it. Yeah. No, our our hearts are never wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to shift gears for a second. Thank you so much for sharing that Um, to this idea of habits and the habit of embodiment where we started. So for those people who might be listening and they're like, I really want to be in my body (laughs) and I don't do yoga or whatever it is, or I don't meditate. How, what are some simple habits that people can employ in their daily lives to have the feeling of wholeness or embodiment, or even checking in with maybe how their body is even feeling? Yeah, I love this because this is where I think um, embodiment has the the potential to be a little less scary than meditation, right? Because meditation, yeah, meditation is like, scary. Even oh for me, meditation is yeah. scary. I do, I do silence because mm-hmm. I can 
handle that. Like in my mind, I mean, I could meditate in that time, but like even the word meditation brings across, oh, there should be a gong and I should see nothing. And like, I can't think. And Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Especially for those of us who have the nervous system that tends to be in the mobilized kind of high rev place. It's like, what? Well, I'm sorry. You want me to Such sit a nice still? And... Mo- mobilized. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have a very mobilized yeah. nervous system. Yes. <laughs> so that's, again, that's where embodiment I think can be maybe a little bit more inviting in the sense that it's anything that helps you feel that you exist from the neck down. So it could be um, putting lotion on your hands or Mm. your legs. It could be, you know, I I'm a big, I love scents, you know, it could be smelling um, essential oils. It could be going outside and on your way to get the mail, make sure you stop to touch one thing in the natural world. It could be uh, just taking a stretch break get up from your computer and actually put your arms over your head. I'm not talking yoga. I'm talking stretch, like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and one of the things that I find really helpful for people in, in doing this is when you're thinking about taking on a new habit of, I want to be more aware of my body. I find it's helpful to layer your habits, uh, or layer your practices, habit stacking. Totally. So if, you know, you brush your teeth twice a day while you're brushing your teeth, um, see if you can feel your feet on the ground, Mm, just know it like wiggle your toes and notice, Oh, there's the ground supporting me. If you're someone who drinks coffee every day and you're going to go stand by the coffee maker two or three times in the morning, use those times to stretch, to like (sighs) do a couple of big sighs. Um, to, if every time you get up to go pee, also open your front door and just go stand outside and listen for the sounds that you can hear, you know, really basic stuff. That's about just being in, um, in a human body. Mm, I love that. And I'm I'm thinking of, um, Eckhart Tolle always talks about this concept of, you know, if you can, you know, just get really present, like with your body you know, and ask yourself if you're okay, right. This second, Mm -hmm. then you are okay. Right. It's that when we leave our bodies and we time travel into the future, and then we time travel into the past that we feel so unsafe. Yeah. But if we are here, we, most of the time, unless we're in like a war torn country or, you know, experiencing a natural disaster, most of the time we are, but uh, yes. And look, It's also true that if I'm having a really bad day and I'm anxious and, you know, people in my life are in their own circuses and people are pulling on me and stuff, it could feel like in my body and my nervous system, when I check in, this is unsafe. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm super mobilized or I'm super shut down. And so that's where that next piece. So in terms of a habit, first piece is just start checking in with the physical sensations in your body throughout the day. The next piece to that is then to see, you know, what does this sensation or what are these sensations that I'm feeling telling me about the emotion I'm feeling and what I might need right now. So this is where it gets a little more challenging okay, because yeah. for, for most of us, if we find anything other than our narrow bandwidth of what's comfortable we want to go right back to our head. You know, if we find an emotion that we're like, you know, I don't want to be sad. We just blame ourselves 
you know, say some crappy things to ourselves and then go right back up to our head <laughs> and, so the, and check that, email and turn on the TV and exactly. drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. And then like go have an argument with somebody because we're <laughs> uncomfortable inside. So we want to just make that an external, yes, you know, yes. All of the above, all of the above. So that next piece, once you know how to feel a sensation in your body is to is to empathize. And this is where I love, and people have heard me talk before, have heard me say this a million times, the work of Sarah Payton. Um, she talks about self-empathy and the shortcut to self-empathy is the two words, of course, as in, of course, I feel that way. Mm, I love that. You know, so if you are doing your check-in with your body and you notice that your most prominent sensation is tightness in your throat and chest, and you feel like you're stuck and you're trapped, can't breathe, that kind of feeling, you might say, okay, what do those sensations tell me about how I'm feeling? So maybe the feeling is I'm scared. And rather than going right to the default of like, well, you shouldn't be scared or you're such a pansy for being scared or, you know, don't be that way to go. Of course I'm scared. Mm. And, and this is where you get to use your wonderful, strong mind to make sense of it. Why does it make sense to you that you're scared? Is something that you love threatened is that somehow your safety, belonging, and mattering not getting met, right? Like to give yourself that extra beat of mm. that makes sense to me because our brains love things making sense. Oh, they do because that's how we survive, right? Yeah. If we so can- if we talk ourselves out of whatever our internal experience is and criticize ourselves for it, we're never going to get that that resonance of, um even if I don't feel happy, I can be okay. You know, yeah. cause I think this is one of the, um, the takeaways that's not necessarily, well, not at all true about, um, how some people approach mindfulness, which is mindfulness is I'm calm, cool, and collected. Well, how many of us are calm, cool, and collected at any given moment of the day. But when we talk about presence, embodied presence, I can be scared or sad or flipping mad as hell and still be present. Mm. Like I can feel the sensation of mad in my body and not need to leave and not need to change that or calm it as long as I don't act on it. Mm. Yeah. It, it's almost like, you know, again, sort of, everything I work on with clients is sort of this idea of response versus reaction. It's about calming yourself so that you can have a response, Mm -hmm. right. That's at, at the level of our age versus reaction. That's at the level of a much younger, much younger age. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm like, if people seem childish around you, it's because we're all walking around with belief systems from our five-year-old selves. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the second module in my yours truly course is called be the adult in the room, which is all about like part. Once you know what's happening in your body, you can also discern how old is that part of you that's having that experience, right? If I feel tightness and fear it might be my four-year-old that's feeling that, not my 42-year-old. And that's a whole different ball game if you can recognize this. It's kind of like what you're saying. If you check in in the present moment, most of the time we are safe. Mm-hmm. But to a, a past part of us, a younger part of us, we might not feel that's true. And yeah. that's where this model of 
you know, relating in a way that allows for actual relating and intimacy and closeness starts with having very conscious relationships with the parts of us inside that we carry around all the time. So what's the secret to intimacy? We've got all these younger parts to ourselves that are sometimes driving the bus. <laughs> uh, well, it's that piece. It's is discerning, kind of untangling, which is the child and which are the strategic selves from who's my true self. Because this is where it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Most people know what they value mm. in terms of what they want in their life and their relationships but they don't necessarily behave that way. And when they're not behaving in alignment with their values, that is always a strategic self. Strategic selves have, they're the parts within us that um, think they know the way to safety, belonging, and mattering. And it's the way that they were um, raised to believe was socially acceptable. So strategic selves are the ones so is that it, would- is it- our strategic cells, if I hear you correctly, basically our brain hijacking our body <laughs> and our heart? Good question. Um, I think there is a sense of hijack. Yeah, it's that um, it's kind of like the your unconscious relationship to the feelings happening in your body. Like, for example, right right now, if I were super, super nervous and I was sweating and my stomach was in knots, and I wasn't really aware of that. Like I was, I was head up, mm-hmm. but that was still happening from neck down. Um, that kind of mobilized high nerve situation in my body is going to be sending messages to my brain, not safe, not safe, not safe. And if I can't, um, if I can't have awareness of that, I'm going to either, you know, shut down and be that little kid that's like, I'm so scared. I don't, I don't know what to say, or I'm going to shift into a strategic self. And one of my strategic selves is like the smarty pants, um, tough girl where Mm. I would get, uh, if I was feeling nervous or scared, I would kind of go into, well, let me show you how smart I am, or let me show you how sarcastic and tough I am that nothing can get to me. Mm. And that's happening because I feel on an unconscious level, I need to protect something. You know, I need to protect that little part of me that's scared. But if I can feel I'm sweaty, my stomach's in knots, um, and my heart rate is high, okay, so that's here, that's present. I can also feel that my butt is on my chair, my feet are on the ground. There is a reality in this moment that is totally safe. Then I have choice over how I show up. And I can I can stay the adult in the room that can can manage okay, so this little part of me is scared and wants people to like me. I really have no control over that. But at the end of this interview, I can take that part of me aside and say, I like you. That's okay. If nobody else does, you know, it's that. So the, that intimacy with another person only happens if you can show up as the person that knows how to relate because the little kid just wants a mommy or a daddy. And the strategic self doesn't really want anybody close. <laughs> no, it's self, it's a self-sabotager, right? At least or my- it wants somebody close, but in a false way, you know, there's definitely like the kind of more love addict sort of thing where like, I can't ever be alone, but it isn't real because you're not showing up as that whole person. Mm, that's resonating. So 
So let's shift gears and talk for a second about um, really quick in the time we have left about how when you motorcycle on your motorcycle, you feel in your body. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you have to be, it's kind of life or death. I definitely went for the, um, like the life or death version of yoga when I got on motorcycles. <laughs> yoga like, and rock climbing to motorcycle riding. <laughs> right. But it, you know, lady, it, it actually, so yes, you have to be present because everything about how that machine works is based on how you're moving your body or not. But the other piece that I really learned from motorcycling, and I, I didn't get into it until I was 35. Um, and so the piece that I really learned was you can't F around on like being a pleaser when you're on a bike. Ooh, I love say, this. If, I'm a recovering like, people pleaser. So maybe I should be a motorcycle. Rider. Oh my gosh. So what I realized is like when I was learning, I was, I had to go slow. And like, if a car was behind me and was wanting me to go faster, uh, I'd be like, okay, that's on you. This is how, you know, until I could pull over and let them go by. But usually the people pleaser in me would be like, I have to get out of the way. I have, to, I have to speed up. Yeah. But like, I knew if I sped up at that point on that bike, I was going to kill myself. And I, yeah. so I got to this real life and death um, embodied sense of, you know what, Jay, if you start behaving in a way out here that is for other people's comfort, you will kill yourself. You have wow. to stay tracking yourself and what's possible for you. And like, if someone would cut me off for something, there was this real sense of, Hey, this is my life here, you know? And I, I really got to feel what it felt like in my body to, to care and, and to want other people to see me. Yeah. And have boundaries around, around right. the way that they see you. So as we close, can you just tell us if people want to coach with you, they want to have you as a facilitator, they want to take one of your courses, how can they find more of you? Yeah. So my website is my name, j-fields.com. And on that, you can find information about coaching with me one-on-one, as well as my group coaching program, yours truly. And I also have courses on LinkedIn learning. So that's a great kind of entry point. If you want to learn more about the embodiment piece and nervous system regulation, because the two courses I have uh, are about managing your emotions and regulating your nervous system to manage stress. And those are the foundation for then what we would do together in coaching, which is like, okay, now that we have these pieces a little bit understood and in place, how do we put that into practice in relationship? Oh, I love that. I think everyone should take, or I should definitely take the nervous system. Part. <laughs> um, and just as we close, I just want to ask people if they want to continue the conversation, they can at, at Habits for Happiness, the Facebook group. And remember everyone, the road to happiness is paved with healthy habits. And please listen next week for another riveting conversation on a powerful habit that can change your life. And thank you, Jay, so much for being here and teaching us about embodied self-awareness. And I could talk to you all day. I know. No, it's such, such a, a pleasure. joy. It's Love such a joy. And, and thanks for being here and take care, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.